1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
2: That's what the poster said?
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists
2: to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
0: Justin Langer taking guard for the first time in a Test match. What a wonderful moment for him. Best time to come in at one for one late in the afternoon. 22 years of age. Hits him on the helmet. That's not out. That's a bit of a nasty one. It certainly stopped him.
1: He's uh, not sure where he is. He's in a bit of trouble. Uh, yeah, one for one. And you've got Ian Bishop running from the fence, pushing off the fence, <laughs> coming at you on your test debut and whacking you in the helmet. The man himself, Ian Bishop, joins us now on Sports Day. Ian, welcome.
2: Hi, thank you very much for having me.
1: Do you remember? Do you remember <laughs> bowling the first ball ever to Justin Langer at the Adelaide Oval?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who could forget that? Um, it's something that I go back on social media and have a look at every so often when I hear Justin giving one of his after dinner speeches, <laughs> um, and it brought out the greatness in him, much to our chagrin. So. The next
1: ten years. Well, funny you should mention the he he does talk about that incident a lot uh, when he does functions and he was on a podcast last week called Back Chatting. It was a podcast that went about an hour and forty minutes, Ian, and it, and it covered off a lot of things. And of course, those coward comments came out. But I've just edited up a little bit here. This is him telling the story. Have, have a listen to this. This is hilarious,
0: ladies. Ian Bishop, magnificent, six foot ten Trinidadian milk coffee color skin sparkling brown eyes built like adonis (laughs) boy anyway he runs in magnificent specimen gets halfway through he's sprinting like usain bolt jumps up in there like a fire breathing dragon like all bully fast bowlers jumps up lands this ball Smacks me straight in the back of the helmet, right? So I've gone down. And when you look on the video, like I actually got the boxer's knees. Like these days, I'd be out for months. So he gets, I get hit. I've got the boxer's knees, and you know, Desi Haynes has been shouting out, "He's scared, Bishy. He's scared, Bishy." And Keith Arthur's going, "Kill him, Bishy! Kill him, Bishy!" And bri- him. Brian Lara's at the back, you know, they're kissing his teeth like, "At my best, in Boys
1: should be in high school, not playing test cricket. <laughs> Ian Bishop, is that how you remember it?
2: No, no. um, We were much gentler. Justin came to the crease from my (laughs) recollection, and the possible (laughs) recollection is always much more accurate and deadly silence. Um, No one said a word to him. But I get get what Justin was trying to do, you see, Um, to try to embellish the danger, the (laughs) life-threatening danger that he felt we should think that he was under. So when he scored 15 per second innings, it would be all that much greater enough.
0: Mm, Good point. Good point. Uh, Trying to deflect. Now, we're we're asking the listeners, Ian, to send in their favourite West Indies moments or players. And we're getting so many text messages, which we'll get to. And there's one here that Collis King, the great fielder in the 70s. Who was Ian Bishop's hero growing up from those West Indies uh, cricket players that came before you?
2: Oh, look, um, that, that testing of the late 70s and certainly the early 80s, because, you see, coming through my secondary, early secondary school days, I was primarily an opening batsman uh, and only turned to bowling later on in high school through sheer desperation of one of my fast bowling colleagues not turning up in a match against Brian Larris, Fatima College. Um, so guys like Sevidian Richards, Gordon Greenwich, and then thereafter, Michael Holding became a, an excellent mentor to me, uh, interactions with guys like Joel Garner and then Courtney Wall. So a multitude of players, but generally that West Indies team of the late 70s, early 80s.
0: Now, 92-93 series is the 30th anniversary of that West Indies tour, uh, which you were part of. It was a little bit of a change in the guard, wasn't it? There were so many of those legends you just mentioned, retiring and then the dominance of Warn. Did, did you feel as though you were about to enter a period where the West Indies felt a little bit vulnerable?
2: On reflection, yes. Um, at the time when we were in the midst of it, we still felt that there was an aura of invincibility. But having looked back on it, we saw, or certainly I started seeing, a little bit of that decline, let's say, from 1990 onwards as Malcolm came to the end of his career, God rest his soul. Uh, Gordon Greenwich, stephen Haynes, Jeffrey Dushan, all of those were heading to the back end of their careers. And we started series a lot slower against England in 1990, against Australia here in 92-93 at Adelaide with that one-run win as well. So on reflection, we saw uh, that decline. But at the time, there was still a feeling that we can beat anyone on any day.
1: Uh, Going back to those days, Ian, was Australia – did you get up to take on Australia? Were they the hardest team to beat for you? Were they the fiercest competitor or was it Pakistan or India back in those days or England?
2: Well, oh, certainly the first half of my career. So you're talking about once I got into the team from 1988 to about uh, 92, 93, 94, it would have been Pakistan who played with a semblance of flair, similar to what our batters would have played like back in the day, those Richie Richardson's, the way uh, Sir Vivian played, the way uh, Desmond Haynes played, and then Australia, because we found that an Australian tour. From the time you landed on Australian shores, with their fast bowling, with the way they played their state cricket, with the conditions in which we we played—I mean, at the Wacker, the old WACA—perhaps uh, my favourite place to bowl. Those were the two of the teams that we felt um, were very, very tough opponents.
1: Mm. Let's let's go to current time with the West Indies out here. Of course, that Test, uh, first Test starting tomorrow. Uh, obviously at Optus Oval in Perth. And of course, you can catch all the action on channel seven from 1230 or 1130 for our, our Queensland listeners. What can we expect from this new breed of West Indian cricketer? Uh,
2: it's a different dispensation. Of course, the tables have turned since the start, obviously of my career where Australia, a number one team in the world, the West Indies around down there at, at eight, I think. And, while the West Indies' test record at home has improved in the last, I would say, three to four years where they've been winning more than they've been losing, it's still a very difficult issue for them playing the top teams away from their home. So I think the ranking, rankings are fair. The fast bowling that they will come up against at the Ofter stadium the batsmen are, are going to be challenged, having played – Uh, their warm-up games in Canberra, which is a different surface, type of surface altogether. Where I do feel the West Indies will hope to cause more tremors is with Alzari Joseph, Jason Holder, Jaden Seals. That group of seamers, along with Kemar Roach, will hope to put Australia under pressure. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady,
1: live
0: only on Netflix. Now, uh, some, some young players, some rookies coming into this, into this uh, series as well because, what, six years ago, West Indies last played test Cricket on the Australian soil. Most of those players six years ago are not part of the test team this time, in. but um, former great, Shivanan Shandipal, son named in the 15-man squad, and he played well in the warm-up game. He had a test century, had two really good innings, actually. What can you tell us about him, and why should we be, we be excited about seeing this young man?
2: Um, <laughs> I don't know why you should be excited, <laughs> or Australia fans should be excited, but mm. uh, from a West Indian perspective, 26 years old, obviously, and his dad was a roommate of mine, not only a teammate, but we roomed together back in the day when we did have roommates, and he was one of the toughest characters for a man of little stature that I ever came across. Uh, he would doggedly battle against any fast bowling, any spin bowling out in the middle, and I get a sense that his son, Tate Narayan Brandon chandler is of the similar ilk. Not flashy with the bat. Uh, you won't see a strike rate or a scoring rate in the manner of, let's say, a David Warner or a Manus That's that sort of player. You'll see someone who will try to occupy time. So it's always a difficult task to make your test match debut in Australia against this type of Australian team. The thing that Tate has going for him is that he's, in, he's 26. He's been around the first-class circuit since 2013. He's had a brilliant year averaging over 170 with the bat in domestic cricket in addition to about 100 here. So I'm hoping that he won't be too intimidated. But, man, starting your test career at the Perth Stadium Mm. is one of the biggest challenges you can come across.
0: Yeah, great stuff. Um, Now, if we look at a weakness amongst this side, Ian, is the lack of a specialist spinner. Seen as a weakness, possibly?
2: It's an area that the West Indies have been hoping that they would have been able to solve with a, a few finger spinners, the odd wrist spinner uh, over the last few years. And, and it could be perceived at that, right? But I think that old strength of the West Indies, of the fast bowling core could supplement that, especially on the two pitches on which we have to play. Now, this is not saying that spinners don't do well, uh, particularly at the Perth Stadium where Nathan Lyon is the joint leading wicket taker. But Alzari Joseph is someone that I would look forward to on this tour to try to eventually take the mantle that Kemar Roach has been carrying for a number of years, that Jason Holder with the ball has carried at times. So. Jaden Seals is another one if he's 21 years old. I'm hoping that this, what we've seen in the last year and a half from him, is the beginning of an excellent test match career.
1: Ian, what do you make of the Australian fast bowling trio? Pat Cummins, Mitch Stark, and Josh Hazelwood. Possibly the best in the world. This is a very strong Australian uh, 11 that's been picked uh, for the first test tomorrow. Uh, as one of the greats yourself, what do you think of this trio? Ooh,
2: I'm envious. Um, I I really am envious because it's a fast bowling trio and whoever they supplement that bowling attack with, Scott Boland watched him during the Ashes against England, six for seven or something like that. Very, very accurate. So Stan, a mature, very mature fast bowler into his 30s now. Uh, Hazelwood, very mature also into his 30s. And Pat Cummins, there's Pat on the cusp of that age of 30, but also mature in his career. And what I saw during the Ashes was a group of fast bowlers, although Hazelwood uh, were only played intermittently, was the most consistent version of Mitchell Stark that I had seen in terms of consistency of length. Pat is the number one fast bowler in the world in this game, and Hazelwood, when fit, has now become a magnificent all-format bowler. So that's why the magnitude of the task facing the West Indian batter, and when you think about the pitch on which they'll be playing, is something that is going to be a real test for the West Indies.
0: He's so disciplined, isn't he, Hazel? A lot like McGrath just hits that mark every time. Now, we've had some of our our listeners, Ian, send in uh, a question as well. There's been two callers actually a caller and a, and a listener. Brisbane Eel have said they know a fair bit about you. Um, a master's in business administration, MBA degree from University of Leicester, reaching 100 wickets in 21 test matches. We knew that. Outstanding um, strike rate right there. But does Ian have any regrets about the back injuries that played a big part to the end of his career? How uncomfortable was it at that time of your your career
2: um, yeah the the latter part was was how how would I sum that up? Look, I'm happy to have played for the West Indies. I don't really look back with a great sense of regret because um I had the opportunity to play alongside guys like Walsh and Ambrose Marshall initially at the back end of his career and I look back at those memories quite fondly um, but at the back end of my career with two um, experiences of stress factors became very frustrating not necessarily for the pain but trying to, to adjust and adapt my action and every time I came out for a test match, say in the last third of my career, it was like trying to find a new technical mode of operation. And that in itself was frustrating because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew where I needed to put the ball. But sometimes my action became so muddled that I couldn't execute those plans. But. I'm happy. I don't look back with a great sense of regret.
0: Yeah, very frustrating, I can imagine. Now, to finish off, you've mentioned all those great fast bowlers, the ones that played before you, the ones that you were fortunate enough to play with. As an onlooker and seeing them in the mm-hmm. nets, And which is the one bowler that everyone in, in world cricket had the most fear for? Ooh,
2: uh, look, Malcolm Marshall was was certainly the most complete fast bowler that I saw and had the benefit of playing with as well. Now, remember, I only played at the back end of his career. But I remember on a tour of Australia in 1988, standing at the SCG in a state game, one of the warm-up games at mid on and Malcolm would sort of take me under his wing while he was bowling and say, this is what I'm going to do to this batsman, or try to do, you move two yards to your left or two yards to the right, and these are the angles that I'll use. And to see him carry that out, and to pass on his knowledge, I think he was the most complete. If I had admiration for one, because of his unrelenting accuracy, Kirkley Ambrose. I didn't play with Joel. Joel was before me, but Kirkley is someone that I had great admiration for because of his unrelenting accuracy.
1: Mm, incredible. And we could talk to you all night, but we're not going to. We're not going to do that to you. You're one of the great players from <laughs> West Indian past, but. Can I also say you're one of the great voices in world cricket today. I love listening to your commentary. We're blessed because we'll get to hear you on Channel 7 from 12.30 every day. Australia versus the West Indies. First test tomorrow from 12.30 or 11.30 uh, Queensland time. Ian Bishop, thanks for joining us on Sports Day. It's been been an honour.
2: Thank you very much for having me as a guest in your country, and I hope that we give the requisite experience to the
1: Australian supporters of cricket. Lovely. Thank you. There goes Ian Bishop on Sports Day. Oh, goosebumps then. What? Just listening and getting that inside knowledge or information about those great West Indian bowlers.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast, and don't forget you can listen to Sports Day every day from Monday to Thursday, 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. Queensland time.